Happy Tuesday. Hey. Happy KFTG Tuesday. What's going on, everyone? Bill. No, hey-o? Hey-o. Yeah, no. I, I'm not, I was, normally, that's the cue. That's all I, like. <laughs> I thought I did it, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I was still <laughs> on mute. I was waiting. I was like, come on, Bill. So the rest of us can talk. Happy Tuesday, <laughs> yeah, fellas. Yeah, that is the cue. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Oh, man. Uh, chat's going crazy already. Or no, some people no like Hunter fans are in here ready to hear the latest and greatest. LTZ, of course, beat everybody in. Oh, there's your uh, weekly dollar ninety nine from LTZ. Hey, nice. Oh, thank you, brother. Hey, oh, <laughs> hey, and uh, we're glad to see Zach's back. He, he's going to run things a lot smoother than I did last week. So. Well, now you're on home Wi-Fi too, right? So yeah, but still, Zach's Zach's a lot better at it than I am. I could have explained a couple things to you beforehand. We went live. That's all that matter. But yeah, lots of people, uh, lots of people rolling in, man. It's already jumped up like twenty more people in the last few seconds. So yeah, forty-five right now is what I see. So. And a big crowd in. Dude, I think somebody's like, ready for an irrigation controller. That too. Yeah. yeah but hey, how, how long uh, till spring, Nate? I think you said it. Less than a week. Less than a week till spring. Six days. It's Monday, right? Monday is officially spring. Yeah, How's everybody's cool. weather looking like for spring, though? I heard somebody's getting cold. It's cold here. What is it, like 50? 50 only and you're cold? <laughs> It's thirty. It's right. about thirty-eight, thirty-six, and the wind. And the wind's blowing. Oh, man, yeah, <laughs> what's going on there? Cuts. It's cold. Yeah. My forecast yeah. is not looking great. I'm a little disappointed. I thought I'd be able to out there first day of spring, but maybe maybe the following weekend. We'll have to see. It's so like like this time, especially in the Midwest. It's so like hit or miss. You know, like you get like I'm looking at mine. Tomorrow's supposed to be fifty-six. You know, and I'm just like yes, and then forty-eight. <laughs> And then you look, and it's like, oh, it's going to be back down to 13 on Saturday. It's like, <laughs> god dang, you know? It's just like, you think you're right there, and it's like, okay, maybe soil temps are going to start climbing. You know? Nope. Definitely not. So. Yeah, Zach and Shifty, you got some snow up in northern Ohio, so. Yeah. It is what it is. We'll see. Yeah. Like I was telling you before, I was going to do a soil test. It was real sunny, nice out the whole day. And it started snowing out of nowhere. Not that I couldn't do the soil test with it, the dusting, but I just didn't want to mess with it. So. Deal with it, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not as cool. Yeah, exactly. Not as fun <laughs> either. That's <laughs> free nitrogen, man. <laughs> All right, let's get this show started, fellas. This is a Keep Off the Grass, episode of 108. Let's all raise Nine. a glass. Nine. 109? My bad, 109. All Climbing. right. Keep off the grass, fellas. Grab a glass. Beer or protein shake? <laughs> Just water. <laughs> yeah, man. So who do we got on tonight? Who? Uh, so we got Hunter Industries, Irrigation, all that good stuff. I know Brian's talked about you guys before. Um, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and, uh, and Hunter. Sure. 
my name is Kevin Battistoni. I am the National Customer Experience Manager for Hunter Industries. Uh, been with the organization a little bit, uh, almost 16 years now. My backstory, though, I mean, I, I fit with you guys like a glove. I, I was born into the industry. Uh, my family got their start in irrigation on the contracting side in 1928. So I'm fifth generation irrigation oh, wow. contractor. I didn't know when I was riding around with my grandpa when I was a little kid. I was getting my future career lesson. That was my my collegiate experience. That was your inter, inter or whatever the word is. In, inter yeah, I was in learning. Exactly. Being one of three boys, all three years apart, you know, um, working in family businesses is difficult to say the least. So um, that's probably 19. God, I, we used to get in fist fights, my brother and I, in people's front yards about where we were going to put the sprinkler heads. You know what I mean? Oh, it man. was it was ugly, and I was his number one guy, right? And passion. Uh, okay, I like that. All right. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fire in the <laughs> <out. laughs> But um, yeah, at age 19, um, I shifted gears and went into distribution, where they sell irrigation equipment, lighting, fertilizer, agronomics, all that sort of thing. Um, and it quickly kind of escalated. I mean, I just started pushing the broom in the warehouse, and I did. I was in distribution for 11 years. Um, specializing in landscape lighting, drainage, floating fountains, things of that nature. Um, slowly ran a store for two or three years, got into outside sales. And I always had my eye on Hunter because as a customer, I saw how they treated their customers and I enjoyed the products. And then when I was a distributor selling their products to contractors, I saw how they treated their distributor partners. And I think for me, I was thinking about it before we were going live. It was winter of 05. And I'm in my 20s and I go out to visit Hunter for the first time as a customer. And I'm on the tour and everybody's smiling. And this place is just like sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. Right. And, I, and here's me. I'm going, oh, this is a bunch of shit. They're putting on a show. Right. And so I bumped my coworker next to me and I said, who sent out the email saying customers are here? Be nice. And my coworker had sold the product for a long time. And he called me out on the carpet and he told the tour guide, he goes, hey, Kevin thinks this is all a joke and it's all a put on. And I was so embarrassed when it went down, but <laughs> net result, you know, I've, I've, it, at the core of any good pro, any good company is the people. And that's, what's kept me here for almost 16 years. I mean, I don't go to work. I go to fun. You know, my job today spawned out of COVID. I was a sales manager covering three States. We couldn't be in front of our clients during COVID. So I got into social media, which I'd never done before. And it turned into a gig. And I literally wrote my own job description last year and, sent it to leadership and they said, yeah, do it. So it is, uh, I go to fun every day. I love the products and the company I represent and I love grass. So that's why I'm here, fellas. It's a good yeah, life. Let's do. It's a good life, man. Yeah. So do you, do you get to go around to the uh, trade shows and stuff like that? I do. You know what I focus on really? I mean, um, you can, you know, I have all my competitors are solid. They make a good product or they wouldn't be in business. Obviously, I'm biased to Hunter and I believe and I know we have a better mousetrap in particular areas. But I look for those long game plays. Right. So I try to figure out the problems that my customers don't know they have and they're not necessarily tied to my products. Um, and I, I research those areas and then help them adapt those technologies to make sure that they're profitable and they're staying ahead of market conditions. So in our industry, the green industry technology, we're kind of slow to, to um, take, to get on board with it. And I think 2016 is when we started to work with connected devices like Wi-Fi controllers 
uh, what we're going to give away tonight, right? And when I was a kid, I sat on a milk crate in front of a, a dial controller with a Motorola wa- radio waiting for my grandfather to say next, right? And I turned the dial. And in 2016, I'm like, wait a minute. I can be on my couch and know about the electrical integrity and the hydraulic integrity of my system on the other side of the planet real time and use hyperlocal weather to make micro adjustments to make sure we're putting down the right amount of water to keep a healthy root zone. And when that happened, that was a bit of a rebirth for me because selling black plastic is not sexy and doing it for 25 <laughs> years can get old. But ever since that point, um, I've just been literally taking, you know, what is what I love and or my family members, primitive industry folk and upskilling them on this opportunity. And uh, that's why I'm in Columbus now and pretty much traveling the entire first quarter of the year with the seasonality to make sure that everybody's trained up on how to um, exude professionalism and capitalize on that opportunity. So I know now, like when you, what the question was, um, did they go to any of the like expos? Is that what you said? Olga? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been this year. We've, we've been missing him. He's been at the expo. Yeah. No, the equip expo is a staple for sure. Um, I get a. <laughs> If you, if you go there this year, you'll see me. I race a uh, trencher with a shovel, and that's kind of my thing. So it's <laughs> it's a throwback to my grandfather. Oh, yeah. In so ever since I was a little kid, I would hear the legends of my grandfather in 1961 when they started broke off from the family business and started their own. The first job that they sold for irrigation was the John Deere corporate headquarters in Rock Island, Moline. And at the time, whatever trenching equipment they used. My, the, the legend I heard since I was a child, I didn't visually see it, was that he was outpacing the trenching equipment with a shovel, right? And it's always been in the back of my head. And I don't know if you guys have seen this product. It's called Geo Ripper. It looks like a chainsaw that you give Leatherface for Christmas, right? It's like big old 40-inch blade on it. And the idea is it's easier than digging. You just kind of stick it in the ground and let it trench your hole for you. And I have a lot of customers that like them and enjoy them. So just trying to create noise around Equip, where in the world of irrigation, Hunter's a big deal. In the world of Equip Expo, we're one of a thousand vendors. So I was just trying to get some brand recognition going. So I called them up and I said, hey, how about if I race your piece of equipment? And they're like, I think that's crazy, but let's do it. So, you know, we do a little back forth with the social media stuff. And um, it was very fruitful. You know, at the the end, the trencher won. Um, I had some deep blisters on my hands but i was able to go 45 feet six inches deep five inches wide in just under 19 minutes in kentucky clay so i was i was happy for with that but yeah so we do it now we're going to raise money for cancer uh research because october's breast cancer that is what she said <laughs> you guys can just come have your races over my house. i was I, I had to hurry up and find it i'm, <laughs> I'm ready now <clears throat> so yeah all the all the trade shows um I work for sure, you know, and, and just trying to pick the ones that I can uh, bring the most value to. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll, see you, we'll see you this year. Yes, you will. Expo. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Looking yeah, forward Bill. to that. Maybe Bill they'll I- let me run the chainsaw. <laughs> You're welcome to it. You're welcome to it. We just want to keep a safe distance between you and I when we're going. Not for you. I get a little cavalier, so my lines aren't always straight. So <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> so hey, I wanted to ask, uh, 
it seems like, you know, obviously customer service can really set a company apart. But now that we have like smart devices and like you're saying, uh, the convenience of making changes from your couch, that's something that I look forward to one day when I can finally get irrigation system set up. Um, but I know Brian, you have, you have MB, do you have their, their system too? Like, is it, do you have their app or whatever? How, how do you like their system that you have? Um, I actually don't have their controller. Um, mm-hmm. I use Ratio, but. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, for as far as the sprinkler heads. So what I do is I actually uh, got the body, the sprinkler body that's a uh, 40 PSI. So some of them are unregulated, right? They just, you hook them up and they'll go with whatever. So I decided with my system, I kind of built it out for the future because we're in a new development. So this is going to um, keep a consistent spray all the time, right? So each head nice. pushes out 40 PSI. So I don't have to worry about the beginning of the line hitting, you know, 120 PSI and the end of the line only hitting 10 PSI. So each one is 40 PSI. And then on each of the head, I have the MP rotator uh, like Zach has up on the screen. Um, Which one? Do you have different ones, Brian, for like the different sizes? Or yes. you run the same one? No. Nope. There's different. There's like 1,000s. Uh, uh, I have an 800, like 3,000. So based on how far you need it to go. So if it needs to spray between 10 and 15 feet. You know, you do this one. If it needs to go from like five to 10 feet, you do a different one. So I have them, um, uh, different ones used uh, throughout the yard based on what radius I needed it to. Um, you also have some that go 90 degrees, 45 degrees, 360 degrees. Um, and then you can dial some of them back. Uh, I think it's like 270. You can dial it back if you want to. So very customizable. What I love about them is uh, drunk guy. I don't see drunk one guy in here. Oh, yeah, he is. Uh, we get a very, very windy area. And, you know, I, I saw some of my neighbors using the typical regular uh, sprinkler heads. And you just see their water just blow all the way down across the street down the sidewalk in the driveway nothing was actually getting onto the grass and so i heard about these that actually shoot out large droplets of water that actually are you know can break through the wind and land on your grass that's cool so yeah very very uh very helpful so yeah, the the MP is is been a product that's that's done very well for us. There's really three key elements to the MP when you're looking and speaking of short radius irrigation. One of which you touched on, and that is they hold up the individual streams hold up much better in wind applications than a traditional spray nozzle, right? Where you see a traditional spray, a little bit of wind distorts it. Beyond that, the other ones are. In the world of irrigation, for the real irrigation nerds, the way we measure the evenness of how the water is applied is called distribution uniformity. But for simple terms, we'll just call it efficiency, right? How evenly are we laying down water on this turf? On average, the MP rotator is going to improve the evenness of distribution by 30% to a traditional spray nozzle. So just by bending over and changing out a nozzle, not even a shovel, you're improving your application of water by 30%. The other one, and this is the thing that plagues spray nozzles for and has for 100 years is they lay down water faster than the ground can absorb it, mm-hmm. right? Infiltration rate for soil fluctuates, certainly. 
but as a as a general average, we say you're not gonna the ground is not gonna absorb water faster than a half inch per hour. And with this traditional spray, you're laying down water at an inch and a half to two inches per hour. The MP rotator lays down water at four tenths of an inch per hour. So we're laying down water at a rate that the ground can absorb it as well as 30 times more efficient than any other equivalent in its class. And we designed it to hold up better in wind. So those three wave tops really button up and round out that MP. But people love the way they look. I don't yeah. sell on aesthetics, but <laughs> you know everybody wants the dancing nozzles, so that's what we have at the Battistoni House too, Brian. So yeah. I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, they're awesome. Um, you know, again, and 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 that's one another thing that I liked was you know four tenths of an inch. So if you get a, the right controller, you're going to you know go zone to zone, uh, and uh, uh, you'll get your inch down, but it won't be all at once. You know, it'll allow the ground to absorb it and then it'll come back on and and get up to the level you need to. And Brian, you're taking it a step further. You're hedging your bet by the spray body that you had mentioned that you put that MP on. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the inlet pressure, it's going to regulate it down to 40. Mm -hmm. We designed that head specifically at 40 because through extensive testing, we found that the highest evenness of distribution happens at a nozzle pressure of 40. Right. So you're in that head also has a check valve in it. So when your system shuts down without a check valve, all the water that's in the lateral pipe from the valve to the heads, gravity, it's going to go to the lowest head on the zone and it's going to spill out of that head. So you're going to have a nasty puddle in your yard and you're also wasting that water. Whereas those heads you have, the PRS 40s, trap the water in the lateral pipeline as soon as the zone goes off. And then that water is utilized on the next irrigation cycle. So it's also a good conservation tool. Mm-hmm. The only negative I have is when I blow them out each winter, Guess it only goes down. 40 PSI. I can't get, you know, so it'll take an hour or so to run through <laughs> and blow it all it out. Where longer. My neighbors are done, you know, in an hour, but Hey, I don't, I don't care. Brian, let I'll me ask it. you, what do you use in a winterize? What size compressor? Um, I think it's a, 120 PSI. Do you know what the CFM rating is? No, I don't off the top of my head. It's a 20 okay. gallon one, so it'll just sit and run for a while. Yeah, and that's that's the thing when they, when you when the fellas are coming, like if you hire an irrigator to do it, they probably have a tow behind, and it's mm. not about the pressure actually. It's about the C. It's about the CFM, and that's the mm. volume. Because if you think about it, if you've got really high PSI but you don't have a lot of volume of compressed air, what happens? is that air will travel across the top of the pipe, even though there's water still in the pipe, and go right out the nozzle. So that CFM, that heavy volume, will help push it out. One thing that'll help you on your winterizations, if you before you winterize, go to the end head on every run, that very last head, and just unthread the internals. And by okay. doing that, now when you k- kick on the compressor, 80% of the water is going to funnel out of that last head on the zone. Okay. So it'll shut down the duration of time. It'll reduce that it takes to winterize. And it's less likely to do damage because when you put compressed air mm-hmm. into plastic sprinkler heads, not so much sprays, but the rotary ones that throw further, those rotors have plastic gears and they're water lubricated. And when you put compressed air through it, those gears spin five times faster and we remove the lubrication aspect. So if you're not real careful, 
you're going to smoke those heads. You're going to heat mm -hmm. them up. You're going to melt the gears and you'll know it in the spring because the turret will either not move or it'll just fall off the head. Okay. Good to know. So a viewer asked if uh, an MP rotator nozzle can fit on a ringbird body. Yeah, hundred percent. So okay. yeah, we play friendly with others. We don't recommend it, but you know, yeah, it happens all the time, right? I mean, it's a mix and match scenario. The only flavor of spray heads that have a different thread is Toro. And we actually make an MP rotator that meets the, the individualness of that Toro thread. But everybody else that's out there uh, making black plastic, the nozzles are universal. So you could walk up to anybody's spray head, unthread that nozzle, and thread on an MP rotator. And one of the things that I didn't mention with that MP, the MP stands for match precipitation rate. So y'all were talking, Brian said, hey, I got some that throw 20 feet. I got some that throw eight feet. What's super cool is when you adjust that MP rotator, it has a flow throttle inside of it that controls the volume of water. So it doesn't matter if you've got ones that throw 10 feet, 20 or 30 all on the same zone. As long as your system is designed so that every head is touching another head, it's four tenths of an inch per hour. Because every time you adjust it, the flow throttle controls the flow to make sure the application rate is matched. And that's the real magic behind it. So if, if um, let's say in a week or two, the wife and I are going to go out and have a little date night. Yeah. If I was to have a conversation with her and try to convince her that getting an irrigation system would save us money in the long run... What are some things that I could say? You know, do you guys have like uh, studies or testimonials or whatever where, where people have saved money in you know, like proper irrigation, right? Like assuming, you know, anyway, what, what could I say to my wife? Yeah, well, uh, all right. So what I would do is I kind of I, I want to deconstruct your case a little before I build it. So what are your watering practices today? And what does that look like? I mean, I, I, are you are you out there dragging the hoses like crazy or what? Yeah. No, so I think I'll say one thing right quick. And I'll shut up. Tell her you can spend more time in the house with her if you're not oh, dragging you water yeah, hoses. Yeah, there you go. Now you're talking. Now, right. Or watching kids, right? right. See, you, you can be throwing hoses instead of dragging hoses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you gotta you gotta you gotta lay the hose in the ground first though before you can do that. So I got I have timers like programmable timers that are, that I put on the spigot. And I make kind of like a, a DIY above ground system where I got sure. hoses kind of cut to length, and I kind of try to go around the yard and tuck them, and then I got the big fan ones that sit out in the yard. So I kind of make this setup to where really I, I could just leave it alone, um, but you know it's it's sitting on the lawn. And I have to like remove everything when it's time to mow and then put it all back and then readjust to make sure I didn't, you know, knock one over and, and mess up the calibration on it or whatever. So it's kind of like a hassle. It's way better than dragging it across. Like when I was doing that back in the day, I was like, never again, you know. So that was a big inspiration. But um, yeah, just the idea of having where they're invisible until they pop up, you need it down. And then you have the, um, the interface. What What is your guys' interface like? So you're if we were to get your system... Yeah. Do you guys have an app or can you control yeah, it from the couch 100%. or how does that work? Yeah. So we've got, we've got two different flavors of Wi-Fi based irrigation controllers. Um, the one, you know, if you, if your system's 54 zones or less, the one that I would push you in the direction of would be our application called HydroWise. Um, HydroWise is, is the company we acquired in June of 16. They were Australian based. 
the real key element that we dug about this company, because they're today just being honest, there's 35 different manufacturers that are making Wi-Fi based controllers, right? That's and they all feel good because they all allow you to control your sprinkler from your phone, which feels good. The real difference is what it does in terms of doing good, right? So that HydroWise controller, the moment you hook it up to an existing system, you have your arms around the electrical integrity of that system. Because in an irrigation system, you have electricity and you have hydraulics, water movement, right? Nothing can go wrong, electric and water. And that controller actually reads the energy consumption and current draw of every single solenoid valve in the field. And that's what makes a grouping of heads come on. So if for say, like for some reason, a wire was broken or there was a short in the wire or one of those solenoids went bad, the software sends an immediate real-time notification to you, the end user, as well as the contractor that maintains your system so that we can proactively fix things before they become damaged landscape. Because typically by the time you notice there's a problem, you know, you guys would notice immediately because you, you dialed in with your lawns, but the average homeowner, you know, it might, um, it, it might take them a little while. The other aspect of that is we make flow meters, which hook to the irrigation system. And these flow meters um, learn the normal water usage of each zone. And then we can set it up so that if there is a overflow or an underflow, it suspends just that zone, puts it in the penalty box, waters everybody else normal, and again, sends that real-time notification of, hey, last night at 2.56, Brian, you had an overflow on zone five. Um, beyond that, you know, in the world of irrigation, whether you're dragging the hoses at your house and you're trying to build that, build that case with your wife to get the real irrigation system, or you have an underground lawn sprinkler, chances are you're overwatering because green grasses means happy homeowner or happy customer, right? So we, irrigation contractors just tend to hedge their bet and set up irrigation cycles that are definitely going to keep everything green, but we're leaving a little bit of meat on the bone, right? We could, we could lean it out a little bit and still keep healthy plant material. And so what this software does, you guys, any of you guys on Weather Underground? Yeah. Familiar with them? Okay. So Weather Underground is the largest weather network in the world. They're owned by IBM. And there's 400,000 weather stations on the surface area of the globe. And with the HydroWise software, when you put in your address, it has access to all of those weather stations, 40,000 commercial flights a day. And every single cell phone that's got Weather Underground, Weather.com, or the Weather Channel, it's all the same parent company, IBM, we're pulling barometric pressure off of every one of those cell phones. So what happens, you put in that location, it will give you forecasted temperature, humidity, wind speed, and probability of rain within a 1,500-square-foot grid of your home using an algorithm off all those data points. And then it'll give you past tense data in rainfall. And we call these predictive water triggers. So they're, you set it up to say, hey, I want to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know I need 40 minutes on my rotors. I need 10 minutes on my sprays. But right before your system goes to cycle, it checks that weather, weather data against your triggers to make intelligent decisions about when to reel in the watering, when to increase the watering, or whether to time it all, all together uh, based upon what's come in in rainfall. And then we push that content out 
every weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annually to say, hey, you programmed me to do this, but I actually only did this. And the summary of the difference between is water savings, right? And that being right. stewards of, of water and knowing that it's a precious natural resource we only have so much of, we want to make sure we're laying down the right amount. And um, those are that those reasons, that's what gets me out of bed and what has really reinvigorated me. And, you know, anybody will tell you at my company, and that's kind of what I'm doing now nationally is um, I'm the, I'm the Wi-Fi controller evangelist. Cause if I get close, I'm going to try to convert you. You know what I mean? It's just, it's cause it's just, it makes too much sense. It's all upside and there's no down. Brian, does yeah. your ratio version have that predictive thing where it'll, it'll turn off as well if, if rain's predicted? Yeah, there, there's some other features on there that kind of does the same thing. Like you could put in, I don't want it to turn on if the wind gets uh, this many miles per hour. I don't want it okay. to turn on if the rain, if I get 0.25 inches of rain, you know, that, that kind of thing too. Yeah, Rachio, in, in all honesty, um, my, my other competitors that are full line and make all the equipment like we do, they're, they're a distant third, fourth, fifth, and so on. Um, you know, Rachio makes a, makes a solid product. I don't have anything negative to say about it. But, um, you know, when, and when you go through it line item by line item, and I encourage people to do their homework. If they do, you know, they're, they're going to see that I've got the best in class solution today. But Rachio does make a solid product. There's no question. It's not bad at all. It's interesting you mentioned uh, weather, weather Underground. Yeah. I've been using that app for a while. I think I had to buy it originally at one point. You did um, be- before yeah. IBM bought them when they were independent, they were running mm-hmm. lean. And I, and I knew, and I bought it cause I won like a $10 gift card from work for like an iTunes store. And I'm like, I'm just going to buy an app or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. And somebody was like, get weather underground. Like that's like the best freaking app for weather. And, um, I've always stuck to it ever since. Like, and it will like predict that predict how many inches I get. Um, yeah. Uh, both. Do they have their own app on the phone? Hey, it's, it's you better hope Nate's yeah. reading that tape measure. I have to check it out because I use the Weather Channel. And I don't. Really but like it, uh, it. yeah, I, I, it's, that's, that's funny you mentioned. That. I didn't even know it was like a, it was like that big. Hmm. Yeah, and that's why you know what? That's why IBM and IBM got to got to. I don't even want to. I'm trying to stay away from any references that'll take us further down that rabbit hole. But. No, that's that's really why they were they IBM picked scooped them up because they they organically they grew to be the largest weather network on the on the planet. And then, you know, if you're looking at your weather.com app or weather channel, today that's all the same data because it's own it's owned by IBM and their supercomputer Watson creates all those algorithms. So yeah, I see all, that logo it, on the app too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's now what you were telling me about your controller is though, like I have currently the ratio also. Mm-hmm. And I do so far like it until our conversation the other day is what if my Wi-Fi goes out? Yeah. So, you know, having a having a touchscreen and having an interface, you know, it, obviously we don't, you know, if Wi-Fi goes down, the last thing we're worried about is our lawn sprinkler, right? You get worried about the kids and their tablets and everybody's screaming and the gaming consoles don't work. But all that aside, um, you can operate our controller fully at the controller, with or without Wi-Fi. So it's kind of a dealer's choice situation, right? We're doing it from the app, but then we also have a remote that you can snap right on the controller and we have a handheld remote, which you can manually turn things on and off. And then on top of that, you can do it all right at the touchscreen. Whereas that's something today where, 
Um, you know, if you lose the application capability with with that particular controller model you mentioned, you just got blinking lights in a box. You know, you're going to have to go out and manually bleed some solenoids, get that aspect fixed. Um, it's just the, the HydroWise product was just built for the contractor with the homeowner in mind, where many of the Wi-Fi based ones today, they just didn't understand the dynamic of the industry. So they just built it straight away, homeowner to, to yard and nobody else getting their hand in that cookie jar. What about if you only have X a number of wires in the ground and you can only have so many zones? Yeah, so that's that's another one. I mean, that's, that's kind of the benefit of um, a full-line irrigation company like ourselves, right? So um, we make a product called Easy Decoder. Um, Two-wire decoder technology is something that's been in irrigation for about 35 years. It started off in Europe. It was a Swedish technology used on golf courses, right? So on a conventional irrigation system, you have what's called a common wire. And that common wire touches one lead on every solenoid in the field, thus being shared in common. And the other wire goes to the other lead on the solenoid, and that's what designates which station it is. So like in Oli's situation, we're having a convo, and he said, hey, Kev, I'm out of wires, but I need to add some zones. So what we have is this technology that retrofits into our existing equipment and it allows you to just take two wires off your system and utilize that. And now we can go up to 54 stations and anywhere we want a zone, we put in a decoder, this little module box. So at the dial it's or their app, it's no different. You say run zone one. What happens on the backside is it sends a data signal across those two wires that only the decoder program with that address recognizes. And then that decoder charges the solenoid. So it's a great fix for situations like yours, Ollie, where you're like, geez, I don't want to trench in more wire. Is there another way we can get around doing this? And that's, you know, that's what we'll explore in your system. But yeah, it's nice to know that how many zones you got today? 12. Okay. You got I only 12. Had, I only had 13 wires. Yeah. And so we'll switch your hardware over to like a, a HydraWise HCC and now we legitimately can go up to 54 zones just using two of those 13 wires. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. It, it is, like I said, it's fun to go to work for this company. I don't go to work. I go to fun. My job's easy, right? It's There's only four companies making black plastic sprinkler heads. And, um, you know, it, and when you have competitive advantages like that, it's it's exciting to bring solutions to people. So are all those decoders or whatever in that little box that you would put outside that little box that's where they're in they kind of all feed into that okay yeah it's it's uh the, what we call the valve box and it's they're yeah. they're pretty small i mean we're looking we're talking something probably about yay you know and okay. it has two wires coming into it from the controller and then two wires going to the solenoid itself and it's mm. the electronics inside of it are epoxy coated and uh pretty simplistic it's got a blinking light on it right so if it's running the light's blinking. If you don't see your sprinkler heads coming on, you go to that location, flip the valve box, and if the light's not blinking, rip it out and replace it. You know, it's pretty pretty, pretty simple in terms of troubleshooting. So if you want to get in-ground irrigation, you, you've done installs for a sure. long time. I'm sure you've done like a, a suburb, you know, house in the suburbs where, okay, so like me, I don't have irrigation. I like to get it. What's the process of like accessing your water line and, and do you go through the garage? Like where do you find that access point and how do you kind of fabricate yeah. it to where you get it outside? You bet. 
so that's your POC, right? Point of connection. Yeah. And the point of connection, residentially speaking, is going to be anywhere after the water meter, right? Because you're pay if you're paying for water, if you're not on a well, you know, you gotta you're you're being billed for it. So you're typically you can tap in anywhere downstream from the meter for the irrigation system. When you're designing the irrigation system, you're looking at two variables, volume of water, which we measure in what's called gallons per minute. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the other variable is PSI. That is the speed that the water is traveling. And those two variables determine how many irrigation heads we can run at one given time. And that will determine how many overall zones. So like Oli and I could be neighbors. We could both be sitting on three acres. I could have double the water capacity of him and a higher water pressure. And his system might be 30 zones and mine's only 15. Right. And so you, the heads go where the heads need to go, but how many run at a time de are determined by the volume and the PSI. So that's something you do on the front end, you know, a rudimentary way to do that. Go to the host spigot on the outside of your house, pull out your smartphone, get the stopwatch out, get that thing going full pig, open it up, slide that five gallon bucket under there and hit start. And when that bucket's full, stop it and do the math and determine that's my volume. That's how many gallons per minute. And then you can just get a little pressure gauge at a hardware store, switch it over to a hose thread, put it on that outside hose picket and see what your static water pressure is. So now we know the capacity of volume and we know the pressure of that water. And then once we have those, those two variables locked in, then we can begin to design the system based around the capacity of your, of the water that you have at your home. The other thing you got to be cognizant of and it's important is what we call a backflow preventer, right? The backflow preventers, the codes vary by state. And what the backflow preventer is in very simple terms is protection. Once water goes into your irrigation system, we want to prevent that water from ever getting contamin contaminating your potable drinking water supply. And so that backflow prevention by state, some states have RPZ, some are a dual check, some are just a check valve, some are what's called a pressure vacuum breaker, but they all serve the same purpose. They say you're only going one way. And so if somebody has a fire down the street and they crack a fire hydrant, it causes what we call an anti-siphon, which is there's a tremendous demand for water now down the street, and it will literally back suck and pull water out of the pipes in your house. And that backflow prevention device says, not me, you're not taking it out of the sprinkler because, you know, fertilizers, app, you know, stuff like that unintentionally could contaminate. And so those devices have to be installed by a licensed plumber. They've got to be tested annually to make sure that they're functioning properly. And then if you're winterizing, that is the single most expensive line item on any irrigation system. And one good cold night will cause that device to fail and need to be replaced. You know, you've got backflow most expensive. And then I would say irrigation controller would probably be the second most expensive line item. If, if you're paying city water where you have to pay for sewage, it depends, right? You, like, so you, it, gonna, you have a separate tap. It it depends on the on the municipality, right? Where mm -hmm. I where right. I used to live in the town of Itasca, about 10, 15 miles west of the city of Chicago, they wouldn't allow for a deduct meter, right? So some towns will go, okay, you know, you're paying. I'm, and this is this will blow your mind. I was paying eleven dollars per thousand gallons of water. That's what it cost in my neck of the woods. That's on the inbound side coming in. And on the outbound side, 
the sewer charge, because there was no deduct meter in my town, they're charging $11 per hour or per thousand gallons. So I'm paying $22 per thousand gallons of water. To give you an idea, I had a postage stamp lot, all MP rotators, all 40 PSI pressure regulated, all six inch pops, and one cycle irrigation at my house is $38, one cycle. So if you're doing that three three times a week, times 25, 26 weeks a year, it's very difficult to be able to afford to uh, water your lawn where I live. Oli, what do you what do you use like a typical month in the summer? Two hundred and some thousand gallons. The the worst time was I think what two two hundred thirty thousand gallons. I think no two hundred twelve, <laughs> two hundred twelve. But that but luckily I don't pay sewage on that. I have a separate tap. And yeah, you got to deduct right. Yeah. Yep. So I have so a I'm, I have a tap for the house, and then a tap for irrigation. Only what are you paying? Are you billed per thousand or how you get in build? I don't know how, exactly how it is, but I will tell you that it is nine dollars and fifty cent for under thirty five hundred gallons. So thirty five hundred gallons and so three thousand five hundred gallons and down is nine fifty. I don't know how they. My water is very fair. I cannot. Yeah, it complain. is. I'm in a town. Um, you know, town water, not really city, town water. And it's it's super fair. Like, in other words, if I use 200,000 gallons, it costs me 400 bucks. I'd, I'd have to go look and see what my is. That's, that <clears throat> like my, my 400 bucks is what I paid, I think. Oh, no, that was uh, electricity. Never mind. I think the highest I've ever gotten was like maybe 360 in, in a month at my little suburban yard. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's... But you're probably probably over water. Yeah. So, you know, just comparatively speaking, Holy, I just crunched the numbers real quick. What cost you nine fifty in your neck of the woods cost me seventy one fifty. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's real. So, you know, I would I'd love if you're west of the Mississippi, you know, and out west where you don't even own the own watershed on your property, literally the rain that falls on your yard is not yours. <laughs> like this, the runoff it, water conservation is a must, right? In the Midwest where I'm at, the primary driver is the cost. Um, but either way, I mean, it's all the more reason to like, why would you waste water? Everybody wants green grass and you deserve green grass. And if anything, COVID taught us is the value and the tranquil effect of green space, right? I mean, relieving anxiety, helping mental health. I mean, people stuck at home, everybody's reinvested in their property and making that outdoor living space um, more enjoyable. And I mean, it's just, it's a fact green things that are green and lush calm our souls. So, Hey, Kevin, you said earlier that there was some sort of a, uh, a controller that we're going to be giving away tonight. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, the flavor that I was that? just mentioning, the hydrowise based controllers, okay. we got five different types of hardware all do the same function. So I want to give away three of them tonight. And what we'll do is, depending on who wins, you just we just need to know how many zones they actually have at their house, and then we'll send send them the right hardware for their application. But what we're going to do is we're going to sweeten the pot, and we're also going to send them a rain sensor to accompany it. Because although the controller takes in weather data, you know who everybody wants to be the meteorologist because you can be wrong fifty percent of the time and still make full <laughs> scale, right? So mm-hmm. the, we're going to send a rain sensor with that 
even though if the water triggers, if the water predictions are off and it starts to rain one eighth of an inch of precip and the rain sensor will shut down that system, report that data to the, to the controller and to the software. And it's all working in conjunction with one another. So it just makes it that much more efficient of a watering tool. Dang guys. I might have to log out and log in on my dummy accounts to get into this giveaway. Get these lights up. Get these lights, lights, lights. Yep. So this would be somebody with it like that. You know, if you're going to want to do this, it'd be somebody with irrigation now that just has a different system. And this would kind of replace the brain of their irrigation system, essentially. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you're talking whoever wins it needs a screw gun, a level and a smartphone and about 40 minutes of their time. And they're in the game. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. So and it, and if it helps, them. I'll volunteer myself to walk them through it. You know, we can sweeten the pot even more. Awesome. Yeah, so anybody that lives in, like, Seattle and you don't have any type of sprinkler system, don't don't put your name in the giveaway. <laughs> I mean, unless they're planning on getting it installed, I suppose. You know, if, if, you, if you're getting some guys out there to do it and you want this to be your system, right? I don't know. Somebody hey, who can make Mom, use of it. That's how mine... Uh, did it um i well actually they were averaging mine um during the fall one year and i watered so much my bill was not going up (laughs) i was wondering what was going on like and i watered like i was i was doing seeding so i was watering all day throughout my acre and my bill never went up and then uh my, my me and my wife were like i don't know what's going on like and then uh about like Five months later, they were like, "Yeah, we uh, were averaging years, and like you were using way more than that." But <laughs> they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't adjust there was yet. They could tell me, "Yeah, it was passed." So that's how it is in the city of Chicago. It's a flat rate because they just don't have meters in place for every every parcel. So they just mm. they flat rate you based on your square footage of your house. Hmm. But then when I did it, so then they started doing a meter, and they actually have one where they come and scan it now. Um, but it's so like this past fall, it was like, yeah, I could tell that I was on a meter, <laughs> not average. Yeah, we have a standing agreement that from like July to September, the, we don't even look at the water bill. It just automatic it bill pay, automatic <laughs> bill pay, and we don't even open it. It just goes straight to recycling and nothing just, to see. <laughs> don't, don't even allow it to happen. Hey, so. it, on the uh, In the spirit of recycling, whomever wins the controllers, at Hunter Industries, sustainability is is not just a placard on the wall. Um, we are about reducing that carbon footprint. So we actually take back controllers and recycle them for free for people. So that's uh, that's something we offer to our contractors and, and end users. They can bring it to one of our distributor partners, and we bring it back to the, to the mothership in San Diego and uh, recycle them. Cool. Nice. Cool. I got a question. Well, let's do so- the yeah, we gotta, let's get this giveaway going. Yeah, Brian, right. or we need to do the wheel. What, what we we actually in? just hit 50 likes, so that's awesome. Ew. Right on. All right, so to be entered into the three controller uh, plus rain uh, detector, you need to type in the word hunter in the live chat, and we'll grab your names out of there. So go ahead and start uh, typing in hunter. And I'll probably be back in like 15 minutes. <laughs> Who'd we lose? You see how fast that went? Oh, yeah. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. I didn't realize that many people have in-ground irrigation. irrigation yeah. Jeez, I feel like I'm 
I, I got FOMO now. I ain't really. Oh, I do one. need to clarify. Hunter Biden does not count. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. It's Hunter Industries. Oh, oh man, that's Jesus. Okay, what were you saying, Oli? Dang. All right, that's awesome. Me? Yeah. So I have the Hunter i twenties, and I love them. I've been slowly replacing all the. Toro, I think they were called T5s, and they stripped out terribly. Oh, so, you're going where grandma keeps the cookies, baby. Mm-hmm. I-20s is top shelf. <laughs> All right. The yeah. only thing is I need a little more. Need you a little need more. a little more pop, yeah. You a don't, little more. That That's something <laughs> that I'll tell you right now. Um, he it is say it. <laughs> well, here, I'll just ask you fellas right now. I just and need I, that I other want... two inches. I'll go get the tape measure. I guarantee you that's two inches right there. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that, but I do want to know from all five of you, what's your mo height? One I'm, a, I'm gonna try to stay at 375 this year. Okay. 375. What else we got? But I got some sinkage. <laughs> I I typically do uh two and a half in the spring and fall and three inches in the summer. Two point five to three. Okay. What else? I'm at three and a half to four in the summer. Three point five to four. Sometimes I try to push it, but I just can't mow often enough. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I'm a, I'm right at like three inches. Three. Okay. Who's tape measure? <laughs> Is that it? We got one more. My yeah, we're all about the same. I'm about the same. Okay. Yeah. So, next question, fellas. What's the frequency of mowing? Mm. Much as right times a week. Really. <laughs> Listen, the, the person you really need to have on, on this podcast is not me. It's my father, Big Lou, right? Because Big, Big Lou's on an acre, and he irrigates so much that he has to mow three times a week minimum. And mm. he's got that John Deere zero radius. And uh, it is with his yard. He seeded when my parents moved in 20-some-odd years ago because they built new construction, right? And we put in four-inch rotors. He's mowing at 375. And what happens you think about a four-inch pop-up rotor. A four-inch pop-up rotor, that's measured from the, the tur- from ground level, right, to the top of the sprinkler head. The nozzle housing, the part that omits the water, is about 375, right? So if your head is perfect at grade, perfect, and it pops up, you're going to get a little bit of ring around the collar, right, where that grass close in proximity to the head gets flattened out a bit. What happens over time Heads can settle, but more than that, as you all know, that turf thickens up, right? And what winds up happening is now it's only popping up two inches and that ring around the collar is greater and greater. So you're wasting a boatload of water until all that grass is knocked down Mm -hmm. to be able to get that nozzle stream out to where it needs to be. We have seen a huge uptick. There's actually 11 states today that require for spray heads, not the rotaries, a six inch pop-up height minimum which makes a ton of sense. So yeah, there's a concerted effort to go six inch because if you're mowing at three to four inch, you need a six inch pop-up if you want to really be efficient with your system. All right, fellas, I see a lot of smirk and what's doing over here. What do you guys got going on? <laughs> I'm just laughing at Nate. No, I, that makes sense though. 
So four inches is, is the that's the only height you guys have. You guys don't no. make a six right now. No, we make a yeah we no we we make a six we make a twelve. Oh, okay. okay. We, yeah, we four inches is just common. Like if you yeah, go four inches is just okay. common, right? Okay. The market kind of dictated. Okay. That that this is the most common, but we're 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 steadily seeing an increase towards that six inch. Some of it is state regulated, um, yeah, okay. and some of it is just contractors recognizing that this is the better way to do it. And but either way. That's the direction we'd like to see the industry go because, again, it's it's about keeping that turf green but using the least amount of water necessary to do it. So, do you guys make an eight inch as well? We don't make an eight. We make okay, we so make six a six. The, um, okay. We do make a twelve inch pop up as well oh. for both spray heads as, as and rotaries. Typically, even the big boys, right? So, one of the yeah. one of my the favorite aspects of my job is. You know, I I call them I call them the Packers, Miller Park, the Cubs, the Sox, the Cardinals, the Bears. You know, all the most prestigious grass in my territory, and the vast majority of them, even though they're mowing significantly lower than the average homeowner, the vast majority of them them have switched over to six inches as well, and they like that performance better too. So is that what you got? Oh, you getting the Sixers, or are you doing you're just doing four? I have fours, mm-hmm. but the goal is to upgrade to the sixes. All right. And possibly stainless steel because stainless steel is like the. It's way sexier, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're gonna if you're looking at that domination line with your neighbor, it looks sexier with that stainless steel riser for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Six inch SS. That's right. Let me see if I, I think I have that one pulled up. Uh... You're on mute. You're muted there, Nady. You see, drunk long guy. He's gonna have to tell his wife that four inches is common. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what is there a scenario that um is there a scenario where you where you would want more than four inches for sure um friday night <laughs> <laughs> okay yes for real for real though like just for like is it like how to cut is it based on that or like if you're mo- like i don't know well, so, yeah, you know what, also like what he was saying is though how to cuts one but at the same time, even though it's a four inch pop up, where the actual nozzle exodus is Three not at the four top. inch. Okay. Yeah. And where then the if you have over time, you got the, the rotor will settle. So, yeah, but only you're, like, you're, you're, you're mowing to 375. So, like, that's day of. So, two days day later, you're, 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 true. Yeah, you're, you're back over yeah. four, and then four you, and a quarter. And then you, you look at if you got to work late, you miss a mow. You got yeah. kids that's got, stuff in the afternoons you miss a mo six inches yeah your, your eyes long. are gonna lie to you you know you, you, for your viewing audience the litmus test is right after your system runs an irrigation cycle walk around your yard and if you can tell where those sprinkler heads are when they're not running you need to lift the heads you know that's and and you absolutely will see an improvement to the efficiency and a reduction in your water bill because you're not going to have to cycle the zones as long because the water is actually okay. getting to where yeah, we designed right. it to go that makes you're not sense. hitting the you're not hitting exactly. the tips of the grass and diluting 100%. it. 100%. So um, so yeah, your answer ahead. on the 12-inch, sometimes it's just not convenient. Where you need to put that sprinkler head, you might need you might have to put it in an area where it's got to pop up and go over some ground cover or something mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. get to that area. So um, we make them where there's actually extensions on that as well. A little bit of an eyesore because you're going to see something protruding six inches out of the ground. But now we have the ability to pop up an additional six. So you're like 18 inches in the air. 
I would, those would be like what for like flower beds and, and you shrubs and stuff. I mean, that, 100%. that makes sense. Is that a yeah, two sure. stage or is that buried six, buried 12 inches also? It's buried 12 inches. Yeah. We make it though. We make two different flavors. We make one that comes in from the bottom inlet and then we make a side inlet as well. So the, you wouldn't have to get your piping down below that 12 inches. You just have to dig the hole narrow and deep so that you can get it to grade and then you can come in and connect to it from the side at like about a six inch depth. Lord have mercy. So like, I guess, you know, I'm thinking like anytime you go out and buy, like, like now a big thing is like tripod sprinklers and stuff, right? Where they sit, you know, two feet up in the air because they get a bigger range. So if you have like a four inch rise versus the 12 inch rise, will that change the, I guess the the square footage they can reach or no, it, it, it won't change the square footage as, as much. Um, and the distribution, the efficiency of water um, parallels. So we test indoor as well as outdoor and we design, obviously we want to make sure that that nozzle is versatile enough to be effective if it's five inches off the ground or if it's 10 or 12, right. Um, putting it on a, a high riser, something that's a couple of feet in the air, We'd have to run a test on it to see if that in, it decreases the efficiency. Gotcha. So, like, I was I was getting ready to say earlier when I was on mute, but so I like Bill. I don't have in ground irrigation. I have an above ground with hoses and all that. But what I have is I have an, I have the Hunter MP three thousands, and I run yeah. I run I have a basically I built it um, with a spike, and then I have the body on the spike, and then you know the the head in there. So I run three of those on a line. Sure. And then I have and I have a 25 foot hose in between each head. And then like I said, they'll they'll hit each other. And so that's what I run. And uh I mean I think they do a great job and, and whatnot. But I'm just thinking like I don't have to worry about the rise or anything like that because I just put the spike in and I'm already above, you know, and then the pop. I mean, so I'm sitting, you know, well above the ground. It's never an issue for me. But so do you honestly, have to move like, that around each week, or does it just stay in place? Do you have you have a, a number of those? Do you have multiple no. hoses up for different zones you've created? Yeah, so I have multiple lines essentially that I have hooked up. Okay, um, and then yeah, so what I'll do is I'll typically like mow, and then I'll and then I'll go put them out, and then same as you, I have the timers, so I'll have them set up to go off. You know, like four or five o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, two days later or whatever it is, I'll have them go off again. And then I typically put them away because then probably the next day I'll probably be mowing again. And so I, I do a lot of putting them out, putting them back in, putting them out, putting them back in. And I also, the one thing I like to do is like, I change it though. So like maybe I, I'll line it up on like the like north side of my driveway, spraying towards my property line. Mm-hmm. Then the next time I'll put it out, I'll go down on my property line and spray like towards my driveway. Yeah, switch it up. So <laughs> I do switch it up quite a bit with that aspect. Come on. The only, the only negative about that is, you know, then your your head is spraying the other way every time. Yeah. So there's a lot of times I got to, I mess. set it up real quick and I got to turn it on for a couple minutes. I go and just crank the head and, uh, you know, and get <laughs> going the right way. But, yeah, you got to readjust but yeah, it. Like, yeah, so, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I like I said, I, I like, I like using, you know, I like the, I like how you can adjust it, you know, with, you know, as far, what is it like? I think they're like 270 down to like 90 as well. So we make, um, within each class, there's a 90 to 210, then there's a 210 to 270, then a full 360, but we make them in like side strips, corner strips. I mean, so you meet your, all your landscape apps question for you. Yeah. What are you using to control it off the hose? Just your, your hand turning the hose on and off. 
a little Melnor. No, uh, yeah, like a, a timer. timer box. Okay. I was going to say we I'll make hook that up. We make one of those too. It's basically yeah. it's a Bluetooth application on your phone. So you, mm-hmm. you put it right after the hose picket, hook the hose to it, and you can literally schedule it like a regular irrigation controller. And so it Yeah, runs. this really? this is you pro you program yeah. it in. So like I'll have like two different I just have the one with like two two zones coming off of it, but off each zone I have the three heads going down. So then I'll set it up to go off at you know five thirty in the morning for thirty five minutes. 